the most important traits that an athlete or a human being can have is the ability to be adaptable. And it's something that we all have within us, um, especially adaptable to circumstances that are outside our control. And the reason why I bring this up is because today's guest, uh, Sharon Campbell, is such an exemplary person to represent this idea. Um, back in 2014, Sharon, who is an avid athlete and dad, um, had a major accident and was paralyzed from the shoulders down. Um, ever since that moment, it's such, it has to be such a huge life altering moment, sending you down a different unexpected path. And ever since that, he's been quite honestly, just working his ass off in recovery and is an absolute inspiration. I'm going to be honest, like just talking with him was incredible. Like I've never seen somebody so present, so just wonderful and just great at listening. And, and you feel like, even though we we're doing this through zoom, like I really felt like that presence that you get when someone is just fully in the moment. And I loved that so much. Um, and then you go on online and you see the videos of him working out every day and like just being a complete badass and like keeping that athletic mindset uh, to the point where he was able to do the Manitou Incline, which is one of the biggest challenges in the whole entire state of Colorado. Uh, and we'll talk about it in the episode, so I don't want to go into it too much. But needless to say, Sharon um, has been challenging his body to perform and has, you know, day by day seen improvements and you know i'm sure if i'm sure when sharon looks back to you know right after the accident happened to now like there has to be this just gigantic leap in improvements that he's done you know like at the end of the day obviously he had a lot of help and support which is awesome but he also had that mindset of putting in the work every single day and as an athlete that is something that is so relatable, uh, just, you know, waking up, getting to work, working on your goals. Um, and then you see Sharon who, you know, didn't ask for this accident to happen, but is adapting with that mindset. And it's so, it's so incredible. It's so incredible. So um, I am very, very honored today uh, to do episode number 231 of the podcast. Um, I brought on my friend Tim Barr. Tim is my running buddy. Uh, we run once a week. Um, he was like a mutual connection to Sharon. Um, so Tim comes on and we just sit down. We have a talk. Three athletes talking together, sharing each other's stories. Super fun. Um, I hope you guys enjoy the episode definitely check out uh sharon's story and future uh adventures on instagram uh at sharon.campbell spelled just like um his name is in this episode uh but yeah man this is a good one i'm super excited to share it with you i hope you guys are all having a wonderful week wonderful kind of you know 
start of December and all that. So let's get right into it. This is Like a Bigfoot podcast number 231 with the amazing Sharon Campbell. Um, Sharon, you have an incredible story. You're a complete badass. Uh, so I'm excited to talk with you and kind of just hear all about it. Um, and to kind of help out on the show today, I'm bringing a co-host on, uh, it's Tim Barr and Tim, you were on probably like a couple months ago on the podcast. So, uh, yeah. And you guys know each other. So let's get into that. How do you guys, when did you guys meet? Uh, I've known oh, yeah. Tim for a while, but I follow him in his ultra marathon running and uh just an awesome dude all around so the last time you spoke to him had to have been like a few hundred miles ago <laughs> at a minimum i also follow him out of breath because we go on runs together and i just try to keep up desperately <laughs> you guys are, you guys are funny man like the, the real story though let's be honest here like i'm like surfing through instagram and i see this like completely shredded dude on Instagram, like just, and, and he's like, his story was just like, Oh my God, I can't even, I'm sure we'll get into it. But I was just like, I can't even believe this guy. And so I'm like internet stalking this dude. And he posts a photo on, uh, on Instagram at a park, like down the street from my house. And I'm like, this is going to be really weird, but I'm going to message this guy. And, and I, you know, I was like, Hey man, you don't know me from anyone, but I think we live like in the same neighborhood. And, uh, and he hit me back when we went and grabbed coffee. So um, it, it's been, I don't know, that was a few years ago now, uh, it seems like. But yeah, it's fine. Um, so yeah, just don't give up on your hopes and dreams of meeting celebrities online, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially if you That's offer right. them coffee, you know, that'll always <laughs> win them over. Um, yeah, Sharon, like, I, I want to get into it. Uh, obviously, you know, like Tim's kind of talked about a little bit you have an absolutely incredible story um you're a badass athlete um super just complete mindset i have to imagine is really solid because you've been forced to kind of go through a lot yeah it's been crazy over the years like uh so i used to be an athlete throughout high school and college and ran track and um did a lot of training so that's all just built into me and uh, like the stuff that comes with sports and athletics, you know, you deal with injuries, but I, I got thrown a pretty significant injury in a tough challenge and uh, broke my neck in 2014, which damaged the spinal cord and it left me paralyzed as a quadriplegic. So uh, that, that was a, a heavier one to transition through, but I've been fortunate enough to have that background and experience and have kind of been able to recover what I can uh, throughout this journey, treating it just like I would any other uh, training accomplishment and challenge and moving around today. I, I can get around on two sticks pretty good. My endurance isn't great and I don't move as fast as I used to, but some of that comes with old age anyway. So, <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, so as a lifelong athlete, what kind of lessons you know, when, when, you know, you're thrown this, you know, kind of right turn where you're like, whoa, that was a 90 degree turn. I did not expect what kind of, uh, things did you pull just from your, your athlete mindset kind of days? 
Um, a lot of it's, uh, you know, it is mindset, then it's consistency, uh, finding measurable goals. I remember the first week in the hospital, they tried to put me on this arm bike and they, you know, Velcro your arms to it, try to see if you can have some shoulder movement. Because for me, it was just about the traps down. Everything was paralyzed. So I remember just like leaning into the machine, trying to do any and everything I could just to get a few reps out of it. We spent maybe like eight minutes and uh, she was like, oh, well, that's it for the day. And I was like, well, you know, let's write down the numbers. Does this track my, you know, progress? Like exactly what were you doing here? And, uh, you know, that's where my mindset was. Like I wanted measurable goals. I wanted the next day to be better than this day. And uh, just anything that I could get out of it. And initially it wasn't the whole thought process. Like I'm going to come back from this and I'm going to recover. It was just trying to make the best of the situation that I was in currently. And I think sometimes it, it gets really easy to get discouraged when you have kind of too big of a hope and a dream initially, and you can't see that first step. Um, and you know, you have to really break things down and, and get moving forward before you can kind of picture what the outcome is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what was your first step you were kind of shooting for? Uh, it, honestly, it was a really big goal, um, even at that point in time, but I wanted to be able to use a manual wheelchair. Um, the, the thoughts and dreams of walking again were kind of out, but because I had such limited arm function and movement, like I wanted to be able to change my own clothes. I wanted to be able to brush my teeth feed myself and then a manual wheelchair was really significant for me because I was in one of those big power chairs, kind of the, the Stephen Hawking thing. And um, to get that in and out of a vehicle is a huge ordeal and process. That one chair alone, any step to get in and out of a building, you know, will destroy your lunch and, you know, plans. Uh, so just, just that one thing, if I could use a manual wheelchair would allow me to get out and about with friends and family and, I mean, it just kind of opens up your world a whole lot. Yeah, it gives you kind of the, a bit of the freedom there, right? Yeah, like we went to the mountains one time and there was uh, stairs to go upstairs to a restaurant. And, you know, my friend, I'm, I'm a small guy, so my friends could pick me up and lift a manual wheelchair like up and down the stairs. But if I had my power chair, that's just out of the question. Yeah, yeah. Man, well, so how long did it take you to kind of reach that goal? That's like a big, like you said, it was a big first step. You're like, no, man, I'm going to totally reach out on, on this first step here. Hey, well, it kind of goes to show how quick things can change because that was the goal I wanted to achieve. But my legs started functioning before my arms did. So I never had the chance to learn a manual chair. And to this day, I still absolutely <laughs> suck using a manual chair. Yeah. Uh, my left arm didn't come around working for almost like a year and a half. So anytime I try to use a manual wheelchair, I was just sitting there going in circles, just rocking back and forth in a curve. Um, but luckily my legs start working. So uh, they have these platform or forearm walkers. So you can kind of rest your elbows and not have to have a lot of arm strength. And I could stand up and start trying to learn how to stand and then trying to stand for five minutes, 10 minutes, then initially steps. Uh, getting around the cul-de-sac, getting around the cul-de-sac twice, three times, four times, like each week, just building on it a little bit by little bit. Yeah. Yeah, man. Wow. That's, I did actually want to hear just like, how is your view on 
just progress changed since this happened, you know, cause you keep talking about these, the little goals and the, you know, taking it one step at a time. Like, how has that kind of shifted for you? Um, I'm kind of an oddball. So as long as I have something to work on, I'm, I'm truly pretty content. Uh, I'll find a, a goal or a challenge out of anything. Yeah. Um, but I mean, a lot of it's just patience too. And the understanding that my circumstances are different. So I don't harp a whole lot on um, not being as fast as I used to be or, you know, my previous athletic abilities. Like I, I you know, miss those days and I do enjoy them, but you know, there's, there's probably quite a few people that are still less mobile and less active than I am currently. Like my health might be better than a lot of people still just because of the effort that I put in daily. So, I mean, comparing myself now to where I was before two entirely different circumstances and, you know, I can't stress about it too much and, you know, just being patient and accepting of us as individuals and where, you know, each of us are at. Yeah. You know, it's always, um, I'm, I'm really curious about your, your motivation. So it's like all of your, you're just like consistently on it, man, day in, day out. I don't know if that's just the, the social media life. Um, cause we all have that, but, um, the, just that desire and that willpower just to continue to chip away at small goals. I mean, and, and I'm sure sometimes there's like setbacks and things like, um, where you're just not getting where you want to want to get to, but how do you, how do you have that mental fortitude? You know, as a, as an able-bodied athlete, we struggle with that too. Chris and I talked about it on a run a couple of weeks ago where it was just like, man, I'm like struggling just finding the energy and motivation to keep getting out of bed every morning and doing this stuff when it's <laughs> fall, like everything's dying outside, you know, was, we got pretty sappy about it, but um, you know, for you, like, what is it? that just, you know, kind of keeps you going and keeps hammering it, hammering things out, you know? Um, it really varies from day to day. Um, like you were talking about you guys with the run. I mean, that would be like me asking you, what's the difference between, you know, mile 13 and mile 27, you know, eventually you get to a point where you've made it that far and you see the goal in sight and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to push through. I got to finish this <laughs> or it's done. Um, but to get up and get started sometimes, that is the challenging part. And uh, some of it becomes routine. Some of it becomes habit. Um, for me, there's some days where I know the better that I do and the more well off that I am, the easier it makes it on my family, you know, my kids, my children. Um, and it, it sounds kind of funny, but even like the healthcare system and medically and stuff like that, like me being in good health, I don't have to go to the doctor a lot. I don't have to have as many surgeries. I'm not reliant like on the healthcare system the same way I would be if I was still, you know, full blown quadriplegic laying in bed every day, needing daily care. Um, you know, so I, my way of giving back, it's like someone recycling and stuff like that. Like I got to give back and I got to do what I can and, you know, do my part to make it easier on myself and those people around me. Yeah. I, I totally connect with the whole, and I think Tim would too, um, just as a parent, um, the idea of this freedom through discipline, I, I heard that somewhere on a podcast, I'm trying to remember where, um, but the idea where it's like, you're, dis you're super disciplined and all of a sudden now you have that freedom, um, that you wouldn't have beforehand. And I just want to hear like, 
obviously like for us having a family just brings that idea right to fruition. Cause I'm the same way where if I get my workout in, I'm a better human being all around. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, how much has that meant to you, uh, during this journey? Uh, the working out part or with kids? Both of it, just family, just your family in general. Um, I mean, it's all, there's like so much that's gone into this, like over the course of my lifetime, like, you know, my, my father passed away when I was younger. So I always saw my mom really working hard and doing things to support me. So, you know, that's something that I've always strived to do, you know, for my kids and um, I've asked them as they've gotten older, like what they think about the situation, but they don't really see anything different. Like as they're getting older, they're starting to understand there's differences just because of communication with others and their friends and they're more aware of their surroundings. But um, my daughter and son had asked me to be an assistant coach, like when you're for soccer and I, I have two crutches, you know, I'm stumbling around. I don't run. I can't kick. I'm like, you don't really comprehend like that things are, are different. And they were like, well, you teach me stuff and you make me feel good about different things. So I think you would be a really good coach. And I mean, like to me, that was important and that carried a lot of weight. So, you know, I showed up and, you know, tried to assistant coach that whole year. And um, initially I did get a lot of looks and stares from the other little kids. And by the end of the season, they're, they're telling me I'm cheating because I'm using the crutches to hit the ball playing goalie and, you know, making myself bigger than I am. And, you know, so you just got to make use of what you have in the situation you're in. And especially for them, they have so much fun and so much energy and excitement. And if I can make an impact on anyone, it, it has to be them first. So yeah. that's huge, man. I love that so much. I attempted to coach six-year-olds this summer. It's craziness, man. It's pure madness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's so sweet. I love that so much. Um, what did you learn anything else from that experience? Um, from coaching and stuff, it, it was good and interesting. I kind of liked it a lot because it was soccer and it was something that I had no background in. Um, if they had done a sport that I had done in the past, I think I would have been harder. And, um, but to be so naive in a certain area allowed me to like really watch and like listen to them and like understand their frustrations and difficulties a lot. And the injury's done that a lot too. Um, I think as we get older and as adults and human beings, we start taking on this responsibility to like preserve ourselves and be careful. Like if you jumped up on a bike and you fell 20 times, that that's probably a done day for you. But teaching my son how to ride his bike and he's crashing over and over again, I'm like, you know, you got it, you know, get back up. And I'm like, I have to, take on that same attitude and stuff myself. Cause if I fell six or seven times trying to learn how to walk, you know, you get defeated. Like you don't want to get up and get hurt over and over again. But as adults and parents, we teach our kids to do that. And we teach them to overcome these difficulties and obstacles that we know they're frustrated with. We know they're going to fall a few times. We know they're going to potentially get hurt at some point, but we kind of lose that as we grow and I've, I've tried to kind of hold on to that and hold myself accountable for the same things I would ask them to do. Yeah. And I do feel like as adults, we sometimes forget to actually show our kids that like, we'll say it all day long, but it's much more powerful if they're seeing mom or dad, you know, living what they're preaching, you know? Yeah. Which is, yeah. My kids, I don't do the last time. 
the last time I was over at your house, man. Okay, so you want to talk living it out. Last time I was over at his house, he's got this like massive gash across his forehead, like almost like needed stitches. Like, and I think it was right around Halloween or something. I, it, Cause we made, you made some sort of joke about it that you already had your Halloween costume, but yeah. like I used, you were on the treadmill or something. Right. And, and it just like slipped out from underneath you and you hit your head on the windowsill. I don't know about you, oh. man, but I'd be done. It wouldn't even be like four, four falls in a day. <laughs> well, well, that one was a little worse than normal. I was downstairs lifting and I think I dropped a, a weight on my toe and I have these pretty reactive spasms. And um, so a spasm lifted my leg up. There's no catching myself. Once I go down, I'm pretty much going can't get my arms out in front of me. And I caught my, my head uh, right on the windowsill of concrete in the basement and it, it split me open good. But no, I, I took pictures of it and um, got it stitched up. But I remember laughing because Tim was like, I wasn't even asking you if you were okay. I knew you were okay because you took a picture of it. And posted <laughs> it. <laughs> I was like, pretty much. I was like, you know, I had to, I had to get that brief moment of victory and and show it off yeah man well i also i always wonder like so that happens how much later are you back lifting again uh that time i had to wait till the next day because i actually had to go get stitched up but <laughs> other times okay. if things happen i'll just get back up and keep going that's what i love i knew you were gonna say that yeah it's that um it's that wonderful like stubbornness of an athlete you're like well i know i just fell and and hurt my head but i'm gonna keep lifting obviously right duh yeah i almost get frustrated and mad at myself so then i have to prove that that was a fluke or that was a one-off and you know get back up and get back to business yeah yeah well so i guess like lifting goal wise like when did that come into the picture where you're like oh yeah i'm totally gonna start working out again um it it took a while, but then there was a lot of life circumstances that kind of added into it. Um, when I was initially doing therapy, I was down at Craig Hospital in Colorado, and they do uh, specialized rehab for spinal cord injuries and brain injuries. And I mean, it's absolutely great. They do a phenomenal job. But the hard part gets is when you actually have to go home. Um, I mean, there's a lot that goes into being able to get there. I was taking public transportation, relying on family members to drive me. Um, we're talking about thousands of dollars um, of therapy. At some point, you have to start balancing life and, you know, getting back to the real world and um, went through a divorce and stuff as well. So then I was like, okay, don't have as much help. Don't have the resources. I have to find a way to still get this done at home. Um, so I kind of went Amazon crazy and bought old school ankle weights and uh, was trying to do sit to stands like on the side of my bed. I fully developed like a whole workout routine of just like the most minimal movements and simple things that you can think of, like trying to get off the floor. Uh, one day I was fighting just to get off the floor one time, then it was two times, then I'm, you know, doing sets of three and four, you know, just getting off the floor, like practicing daily movements. And that was kind of my lifting routine. And uh, my body's responded well to it. And so over time, you know, then I was like, can I use a machine at, at a weight room? And um, fought through the embarrassment and the emotional stuff that comes with it and started going to the weight room, started trying to do weights, starting at five, worked up. Uh, it, it took a long time to get to 10. I mean, these seem like small increments, but when you're talking about weightlifting, these are 
you know, 50 to a hundred percent weight changes and gains. So, I mean, yeah. we're doing lots of reps before we can even, you know, move up and weight at all. And, uh, year by year, things, you know, seem to progress and I'm getting stronger and stronger. Yeah, man. Well, what do you do in the moments where you're in your mind, you're like, oh, this, I, you know, I wish I could lift more right now, but I'm I like, how do you, how are you able to kind of just in that moment be like, I'm okay with this right now. This is where I'm at and I will eventually get to where I want to go, but I have to do this right now. Um, well, I think some of that comes from uh, running track uh, throughout college. Like track is one of those sports where you get around and practice with the team, but it's also an individual sport. Um, I, I had the, the fortunate experience of being the best at certain points in times, like in school and high school and college. And, you know, if you're the best at any point, even if it's like in a small area or, you know, moment in time, you have to get to a point where you're able to push yourself. Um, so if you're beating your teammates day in and day out, you might have someone pushing you, but I mean, really at the end of the day, you're trying to beat your own personal times. You're trying to beat your own personal best. You're trying to move up and wait for yourself. And I mean, that's so ingrained in me after years of sports. I mean, right now it's no different. I'm not competing with a bodybuilder or in the gym against someone else. Like I'm trying to be, you know, that last day, that last rep, um, last year's goals. And social media makes it so easy to, to change it. And Facebook is constantly reminding me of where I was at last year. So, you know, kick in and take care of it. That's the positive of social media. You're like, yes, I'm stronger. (laughs) For us ultra runners, it's just, yes, I'm slower now somehow. Right, Tim? Yeah, and I'm older. That's the big thing. (laughs) I'm like, I'm older. But it's kind of a, it's kind of a, kind of a cool thing. Like I'd never got on the podium when I was younger. So now it's like, Oh yeah, now I'm 40 plus, like sweet. I'm taking home the the prize money. (laughs) I just had to get old. (laughs) What's your strategy? Oh, it's getting old. No big deal. Um, Just old, just old. Stay the same, same speed. Like just keep working out. You know, eventually I'm going to be the fastest one on the podium. Yeah. Yeah. You have that, that Benjamin Button disease. (laughs) Yeah, it is for sure. <laughs> you know, um, you uh, you know what I'm really curious about though, and I don't think I've ever asked you this. Um, so, like a few years ago, or a couple of years ago, or something, um, and you were in the paper because you climbed. It was like soon after your injury, and you're like, I want to do the Manitou incline, <laughs> and you like you went down and, and busted this thing out. Like, and I'd love to hear the story of that, but also just what did what did training for that look like for you? Or did you just like, you know, just put it on the calendar and just go, go do it. Cause you're badass enough to make that happen too. Um, it's, it's kind of a mix of, of a few things I, I did try to somewhat train for it. Just practice doing the, the stairs a lot. And then, um, I started trying to get the range of motion cause I don't take very big steps. So like trying to do two steps in, in my home and then stretching into it. So I was opening up my hips and legs and, and stuff like that a lot because I knew there would be a lot of steps. Um, I was also very naive. I had no idea what the Manitou incline fully was. I I didn't know there wasn't like a parking lot at, you know, there was nothing at the top that I could kind of bail out at some point. Um, and then so with that, once I, I got going, you're, you're dedicated to it and no real turning back, but it ended up being 
a lot more challenging than I expected because we had planned on doing it, wanted to try it just as like a goal. It's one of those things in Colorado, touristy thing to do. And with the injury, you start going back to, you know, what you haven't done and wasn't thinking of it like as a fitness accomplishment. It was just something in Colorado I wanted to see and do. Um, but going there, we forgot to pack my actual shoes. And so I ended up doing it like in these slip on DC slippers that I had, which was just a terrible idea. Cause I was like, I'm going to start it and see how it goes. But in the beginning, it's all uphill. So my feet are sliding around these shoes, but I'm just sliding back into my hill. Um, it took maybe four hours to get to the top, which, you know, is pretty extreme. Some people can knock it out in like 20, 30 minutes if they're, you know, moving. Um, some elite athletes, Tim, you could probably do it in, you know, 20, 30 minutes, just jogging straight up. Um, but then the way down was the real hard part because I didn't realize, you know, it's four miles down and my toes just start slamming into the front of these slippers. Lost both of my big toenails, like on each foot, was hobbling and had to have like a lot of family support. And I mean, it was just, it was painful, but that the accomplishment part was done. And then after that, it's just a scramble to get back to the car. You have no choice. Yeah. That's amazing. I, the one time I did, which Manitou Incline, just so people know, and Tim, maybe you know the numbers, but it's a mile up, but it's straight up. Like, I think you gain like 2000 feet or something like that. Yeah. It's 2000, 2000 vertical feet and like 0.9 miles. That's it's a- just, and it's, and it is to your point. You're like, Oh, this is cool. Like everybody does it. Like I grew up in Colorado Springs. Like I remember going, I actually remember going up the cog before they shut all that down, you know, and you're just, you know, but you go down there, man, and you see people that are like, I, I mean, not people that are trying to go for a goal, but just like the tourists that just, you know, flew out from Nebraska or something like that. And, and you're just like, Oh my God, I'd like this person might die. Like for yeah, real. It, it, it and catches a, you off guard. <laughs> it's, it's insane. There's like insane. a really steep. I mean, the whole thing's steep, but there's one section where it like amps it up even more. And you're like, oh my God, it's even steeper now. Yeah. And I mean, I definitely didn't do it all by myself. Like I had a couple of people going with me. Um, there were a few steps that were high enough where I had to have them like literally try to like lift my leg to get it up on the step. And then my legs work really well driving into extension so I can, you know, push myself up. But to get like my foot up onto some of those ledges and stuff was, was a challenge and needed quite a bit of help. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Cause the one time I did it, I just remember getting to the top and people are out there just like cheering other people on. It was so, it was this beautiful, like community building thing on like a random Sunday and it was awesome. So then we just sat at the top for like 20 minutes, just being like, let's just cheer people as they come up. Um, so what was the community of hikers like when you were doing it? Um, it was pretty cool. I actually saw a, an old teacher from high school on the way up. And so he was absolutely shocked. He had knew about uh, the injury and stuff and by no means expected me to be on the incline that morning. And then, um, I mean, there were probably a lot of people that had passed me on the way up and saw me trekking. And I mean, no one ever knows really why I'm using crutches or what's wrong. They just notice something's different. So then by the time I got to the top, you know, it was the whole applause and you know, great job type thing. And uh, there, there was one odd guy though on the way down. He was like, oh, you rolled your ankle. That sucks. And I was like, it's a lot worse than that. But 
Wow, man. Dude, yeah, what a huge accomplishment. And you're right, though. That trail going down, no fun. Yeah, and I had read about all of it before I had went out and done it. Um, and they had actually extended the trail. They had did some kind of modifications to the trail. So I was planning on maybe two to three miles down. And for me, walking, I knew I could probably knock out like a mile per hour. And that's what I was hoping for. But they added a couple miles. And <laughs> I had no idea about it. So it made my day a lot longer than I wanted it to be. Yeah. And I, as a uh, like ultra runner, like the black toenail thing, just crazy respect for that. <laughs> yeah. um, well, that was an ultra for you, man. I mean, eight hours yeah. out there, like that's, that's legit, you know? Yeah, it was a trek. It took a lot of endurance. And then um, surprisingly, cause I'm using like forearm crutches and stuff, um, shoulders and arms got really worked and blisters on my palms. Like, it was a full body workout. Yeah, that's amazing, man. Well, so I also noticed like um, you're, are you into like CrossFit and stuff? Like what kind of lifting stuff do you do? Um, now I lift pretty structured. Yeah. Uh, before, before I enjoyed doing CrossFit quite a bit because it combined a lot of things from my past. Like, I mean, a lot of it's interval type work and I was a sprinter in college. So like uh, primarily ran the 400. So for me, running and pushing your, your tank till the very end is what I was good at. I was small, but really explosive. So like a lot of the Olympic lifts, I was good at body weight movements, did cheerleading. So the gymnastics movements, tumbling, all that stuff was a lot of fun for me. Like I just truly enjoyed the randomness of, you know, the functional movement and uh, did that right up until the injury. And then since then, I've tried doing adaptive CrossFit and modifying things, which is great that they have it. But for me to train and get my body to improve, I have to have like a more structured routine and have things dialed down a little bit differently. Yeah. So what does a normal routine look like for you? Um, right now, I'm kind of rotating uh, four different workout days, um, have two to three different lifts each day. I've reduced wakes i'll cycle things on and off like someday some kind of cycles i'll bump up the weight uh less reps more weight right now i'm kind of dialing things down trying to get more reps in work on form a lot more uh, bigger movements more complex movements doing things my body hates for the most part <laughs> <laughs> yeah well and that's yeah dude that's amazing so uh when some random guy on Instagram sent you a message and was like, Hey man, we live in this neighborhood together. Uh, what, what did you think then? <laughs> well, I had saw his profile and he's running hundreds of miles for like a race. I'm like, I have to meet this dude. I'm like, how cool is this stuff? I'm like, I want to know what goes into his mindset. Like, what is he thinking to go run a hundred miles? Yeah. So that's what I want to hear. Like what kind of parallels do you guys think um, can be found in both of your mindsets? Cause I think no matter what the athlete and what the event, I think you, you can find a lot of these similar concepts, these similar ideas that people draw from. You know what I thought was rad? Like, um, so we, we met at this, at this breakfast place uh, in old town, Arvada uh, here in Colorado. And, and I think the place was closed or something random. I don't know. It was, I remember the, the meeting spot was a little weird, but just 
because the breakfast place I thought was going to be there wasn't there. And so like, I'm on a, I'm on a blind date essentially like looking for a breakfast place to go eat at. <laughs> but you know, we're sitting there when we're just talking about this. I'm like, dude, I like your story is, is like the craziest story ever. Like, um, and, and just asking the questions about endurance and, and mindset and, you know, where does that come from? Cause this like intrinsic motivation is so fascinating to me. Like what makes, you know, you could say it with anything, like what makes someone want to run a hundred miles, but I'm like, what, what is it that just drives you to just be such a badass athlete when you could just like play the victim, um, through like your circumstance and, and you have every, every right to do that. Um, but you don't take that. You just kind of take what you've been given and you just drive forward. And, and we were just, having a conversation back and forth about this, but he's like, dude, I think you're equally as, as freaking motivated and driven. And, um, we found there's, there's a lot more commonalities. Like we're both athletes. And I think that athlete mindset just really comes through. Like we're, we're definitely in different situations just in our lives, but, um, like that mindset like rolls right through. And, um, it's, it's like motivating to me to, scroll through my feed. I've got like a bunch of people that pop my feed and Sharon's always on there. Cause you know, it's just like really motivating. It was like, well, man, he's freaking getting out of bed and doing this thing. I don't have any excuses. I got to, you know, make this thing happen. And, um, but it's, it's fun to share those war stories. Cause yeah, you're right. There's like some sort of common thread there that, um, that just goes kind of through, through athletes of, of all types, you know, and I, I don't know exactly what it is. It's mindset, it's motivation. Like, where does that, where does that burn from? I don't know. Yeah. Some of it, or sometimes I think it might be uh, a human instinct for some people. It goes back to like a whole, uh, at least the way I like to think of it, like fight or flight type thing. Like, you know, there, there's some people that kind of get stuck in the headlights and then there's people that are going to take off and, you know, fight or do something about it. And there's, you know, just naturally in each one of us, there's someone that's going to run into the fire and someone that's not going to. And athletics, there's people that are going to push themselves until, you know, they pull a hamstring or blow out a knee. And there's people that are going to say they're sore the next day. And that's the end of their competing days. They don't, you know, they don't like that. They don't enjoy it. Yeah, man. That's, yeah, there's so much there. Um, you know, it's, I, that's what I love. I love doing this podcast just to kind of like hear that because I hear it from all sorts of people from all walks of life and all, you know, different things that they're taking on, whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. like Tim wakes up at five in the morning and just sprints. That's what he does. And he enjoys that for some, not somehow. <laughs> <laughs> it's not true. But that's the thing. I'm it's like, weird. Because like, like, yeah. <laughs> I tell people, I'm like, it actually gives me more energy through the day by taking these yeah. things on and like doing this stuff consistently actually like helps me have more energy. And they're like, that makes no sense. I'm like, I know it doesn't, but somehow it works. <laughs> and I've noticed too, even with like business people, the more you try to maximize your day, the more you'll find that, you know, there's that common thread. People start getting up earlier. They accomplish more they usually accomplish something like first thing in the morning and that almost sets the tone for the rest of the day. So I know, um, like Tim, I'm, I'm an early riser. That's when I prefer to get stuff done. And that really does set the tone for my whole day. Like, and then also for me, it's like a, 
a blank slate in the morning. I haven't had the opportunity to have anyone frustrate me, drive me nuts, no emotional things of like came on to play. Uh, you know, no one's called to like get dinner. There's nothing that's ruined my day at 5 a.m. Like, you know, I have perfect freedom to get up and get done what I need to get done. So I take care of all my important things like first thing in the day and just makes life so much easier. And if I end up having more stuff to do, then that, that wake up point kind of just gets bumped forward. Yeah. Do, how do you handle that first half an hour? Cause I know Tim and I have talked about waking up, he keeps his phone on airplane mode or something and doesn't even mess with it until like seven or whatever. Once work starts, like, how do you handle that Sharon? Oh man, it, it's almost somewhat business-like for me. Like, yeah. I mean, I get, I get up, I, I let the dog out. Like he's never going to let me sleep in too much anyway. <laughs> he knows that's when he gets fed and I'll get up, get that done. Uh, I, I don't drink coffee too much, but I do uh, have like pre-workout. So I mean, first thing in the morning, I have my pre-workout and I know I have like 20 minutes to get my workout started and going. And once I'm going in the garage, I have to get that done before I get the kids up. Um, I actually use my workout time as somewhat of my social media time. Like I don't spend a lot of time on social media, but responding to like a few comments or getting a post out, I can do that just like in between sets and, you know, it's like knock stuff out, respond to something, get the rest of it done, respond again. And then really I got, got the stuff that I need done for the day. And then I'm dedicated to the kids once they're up and school work, get them back home, dinner, try to be completely lazy or squeeze in the last little bit that I can during the day. And that's it. Repeat. Yeah, man. There's something about being lazy at the end of the day after you had a full day of work though, you know, and just like, this is so much better. It's just lazy guilt-free, you know? Yeah. And I, I say lazy, but then to be completely honest, there's some days where like, I don't have a lot of energy. So I'll use like electric e-stim at night. And like, that's when I'm like stretching or putting on e-stim, the things that I can do without like a lot of effort or energy, like the stuff that I have to kind of like sit down and slow down to do, then I'll do that at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What about you, Tim? I know we've talked about it. Yeah, it's the same deal, man. Just get, getting up early, I think just gives, gives me more clarity and energy throughout the day. It's, it's hard to get up though. Um, you know, especially now where it's cold and dark out and, um, getting that motivation to get up and move in. Um, but you know, a lot of times I'm laying there and I'm like, you know, I don't feel like going right now to meet Chris at 5am again, uh, to go run. But I know I'm going to feel a lot, a lot better, uh, you know, after I just get a good solid hour in of, of something and it does set your day, right? Like we went out on Monday and did Mount Morrison, um, just by Red Rocks and like, we were the only ones up there saw that, you know, pre sunrise, like just super cool view from up, up top. And, and that's how we started the week, you know? And, and I remember like on Monday, it was, it's been a pretty stressful week so far, but that just kind of set the tone uh, for what matters. And then at night I'm just, yeah, I'm just usually passed out on the couch by nine, but um, I, I agree. I like just getting, getting going and getting things done. And there's so many pressures um, that kind of weigh on us that activity really sets you straight. Yeah. How are you guys going to, Oh, I'm sorry, Sharon. I was going to say, and really, if you think about it, like I, at least for me, I've never gone and worked out, gone for a run, lifted or something and felt worse afterwards. Like if I felt bad starting it, 
whether I work out or not, I'm still going to be upset and still feel bad as the day goes on. But working out, like I've always felt better after it, like, you know, it gives me time to release any stress, anxiety, tension, like anything just, I mean, it it helps a lot mentally and physically. Yeah, for sure, man. How are you guys going to handle, uh, our upcoming job of uh, teachers for elementary students, which is going to happen to all of us next week or a week after Thanksgiving. Uh, I I enjoy it. I love teaching my kids. Like I'm just one of those people where I enjoy learning so much. So I probably talk to and teach my kids more stuff than they want to hear. Yeah. Um, we'll, We'll talk about something at dinner and it's like, Oh, well this is this. And I'm like, but why is it like that? Like, you know, I, I'm always provoking more thought and, and more learning. So for me to get to teach them, they might not like it as much. They would probably <laughs> rather be with their friends and in school. But for me, I enjoy it quite a bit. Yeah. So you are like the most, um, you're, the, you're the most present person I know, I think. Like there, it, it just, you have this like air of like, you're just always there. Like whatever's happening, like you're in the moment. Um, Maybe, maybe that's just my read on you. Uh, you know, maybe it's, (laughs) maybe you're not, maybe you're thinking about other things, but, um, I mean, a, I guess, do you feel like you are that type of person? And if you are like, have you always been that way? Or like, you just have a demeanor that's just like, you're just connected to where you're at. Like you enjoy teaching your kids. I'm like, I'm the opposite man. Like, like I'd rather not be the one. And maybe it's just because my son doesn't want me teaching him. And I'm like, fine, I give up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, do you, do you consider yourself like in the moment and and present at most times and, um, or is that just the air that you give off? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that I'm, I'm there now. I feel like I've, I've tried to always be that way. Like I've always loved events, moments, um, sharing things with people, and you can't really do that if you're tired or lost in something else. But even more so like after an injury like that, like, I mean, there were so many days where without exaggeration, you're just laying there and you have nothing else to do but enjoy someone's company or speak to them. Like, I mean, you can't hang out with your friends and be like, yeah, let's, you know, go play basketball or go do something like your activity is basically their company, their stories and I mean, you just learn to appreciate people like a lot differently. And then even for myself, like I couldn't go out of my way to help someone move. I couldn't, you know, go grab food or appetizers with someone like my only way of like giving back to people was actually just sitting there and being there with them and listening to them. Like I didn't have a lot else to offer. Yeah, that's amazing. I, you, you put a post on Instagram that I was reading today and it just really, it connected with me just as a person, but also as a dad, where it was you riding bikes with your daughter and dude, I'm telling you, man, I was like, cause it's basically like, Hey, don't take anything for granted. Like there was a time where I wasn't able to ride a bike and you wouldn't think that that would be a skill that would, you know, go away for a time, but it did. And, but not only that, it's just the combination of like, your kid's only going to be this age right now you know like they don't they don't get younger they don't benjamin button (laughs) yeah and so i think that like combination there's just like 
the reminder that is the most important reminder for everybody, which is like, hey, don't take the moment you're in right now for granted because um, it's not coming back. Yeah, and this whole experience is like, I mean, it's really just changed what things like would have been. Like, I remember like when I was trying to ride a bike again, I actually took my daughter's bike out because I mean, I, I can't ride a bike well enough to justify me going out and buying a new bike. So I was like, I'm just going to see if I can get onto hers then I was able to like straddle it and then I was like trying to like inch and scoot forward and then you know my son's there and he's like yeah remember pick up your one foot and put it on and then you know you get the other one and then you'll start going and I'm like how funny and how cute is this that he's now passing on the information that I gave to him and you know he's putting it back on me trying to teach me how to ride a bike like you know the these things that I share with them they they see it and they've learned it and you know they're giving that back to other people and, and using it. So, I mean, it was really just an enjoyable moment and fun day, just trying to ride the little ways that I made it down the street on a regular bike. And, you know, now I have like a trike that I'll go out and ride with them and go on some longer rides. But, you know, these, these moments are valuable and they're, they're a lot different than what they should be because of what's changed. And I, I know that that's not given all the time. And, you know, I'm just happy and grateful to be able to, to kind of get a second go at this. That's amazing. And one to speak. Do you feel like having that mindset has helped like through the pandemic? I, I mean, like half of the world right now is like, Oh my God, I can't leave my house. And you know, I, I can't go to the store and shop for clothes or something. And they're super upset about it. I mean, do you find yourself just more like, Hey, this is, this is cool. I get more time to hang out with my kids or do you find yourself like anxious as well? I mean, life has changed like so drastically, like over the years for me that, you know, the whole COVID thing, I'm just like, eh, you know, it's, it's another thing to kind of adjust and work through. And um, we were, I was actually talking to a couple of other quadriplegics the other night. And it's kind of crazy because people are like, you know, going through all these changes and worried about being limited and not getting to go out and go to restaurants and all this other stuff. And we're like, that's our normal day. That's what we live with all the time. Like, most people that have like some form of disability are home on a regular basis. Um, you know, they deal with accessibility things where they can't go into a restaurant because they're in a wheelchair or they can't fit down, you know, a certain aisle or make room. Like, you know, we're kind of just like, eh, it's, it's normal. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And there's, I read this book once called the adversity advantage um it's written by this guy i think he lives in golden uh but basically the idea is like by having adversity in our lives like look at everything we are able to learn and apply to like every everywhere else you know and what you just said kind of reminds me of that where it's like yeah like having that adversity has kind of you know allowed you to become more like uh, resilient in other areas. Yeah. And when you've lived like in these big extremes, like everything in the middle just becomes really easy to manage. Like, you know, it has to be something very, very significant and big for me to stress out or worry about. Um, and I do appreciate like the small things, like I've had this, this opportunity to like live through like so many different random things that don't come on a daily basis for a lot of people. So like, you know, when other things come up day to day or like COVID and stuff, like it allows you to kind of manage it a lot better, um, not freak out about it, 
makes you think about things a different way and you you know tomorrow's going to be tomorrow and you know that there's going to be better days you know there's going to be down days and you take them as they come the down days i mean sometimes i feel like i'm just trying to maintain through those rough patches and then when things are good then that's when i try to kind of get ahead yeah when i know my my wife is uh works in the medical field and she just comes home and she's like man the anxiety right now that everybody has is just palpable. Like you just feel it. Obviously people talk to her about their anxiety, but it's like literally almost everybody she's talking to. Um, what, what other, do you have any other piece of advice just if anyone's struggling with, you know, anxiety of 2020 and all that stuff? Um, I mean, it, it, it takes a lot for, something to really significantly impact your life. So, I mean, a lot of the things that people have anxiety and stress about, they might seem meaningful in the moment and at that point in time, but, you know, over long term, it's not going to make that big of a difference. Um, sometimes you have to step back and be a little more patient with yourself and then reevaluate because these changes are going to come. Um, say for something like COVID, it's not the first time that, you know, something's kind of hit the U.S. It's not the first time people... I've had to do with different stuff like, um, you know, it's unique in its own way, but this stuff has happened before. And I, I laugh because I listen to my grandma sometimes like talk about polio and all these other things. And it's like to her, when she was growing up, she got polio and that was like a devastating thing back then. I don't know any friend or family member now today that's, you know, worried or concerned about polio. Like, you know, these things do come up in, in life cycles and we learn to manage with manage them but life goes on and um, you know we gotta just kind of make the best of it you can be pissed off all day about it if you want to but it's not gonna make tomorrow any easier and it sounds like a really bad way to go about your day in my opinion <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's awesome man well tim do you have any other questions for sharon i mean an opportunity to just pick his brain uh, yeah just put him on the spot <laughs> no, um, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm constantly like, um, I'm just, I'm just amazed at, at just, like I said, just being in the moment, um, you know, with, with your mindset and the way that you just kind of approach life. And I know a lot of it is probably due to the changes that you've had in your own life, you know, and, and, you know, the situation just being paralyzed and working with, working through that, uh, mentally. But I mean, I think we could all learn a lot from you and um just just that just that attitude i know like i'm always like in the future somewhere um i hardly ever regret the past you know i'll look back on it but i'm like all right yeah that sucked like let's let's move on but like i'm hardly ever just like in the moment and i know that those moments um you know you and i went for a walk up at up at rocky flats and you know and we walked we walked for a while like a couple hours like we think we did a couple miles that day um, but like, I just was like, man, that was, that was so cool. Cause I was just like there in the moment. It's a lot of times why I run because it's like, I have to be present and, um, you know, it'd be nice just to be able to pull more of that into just to our everyday lives. And, and, uh, to your point, not, not freak out so much. Um, Chris turned me on to this book. Um, I'm reading right now called the river of doubt. Um, basically Teddy Roosevelt's like adventure in South America map, like just crazy stuff. Like, 
yeah, let's go to the Amazon and bring some dugout canoes and, and map this like river. Yeah. yeah and he's like, Hey, been, I like, was already the president and now I'm going to the Amazon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. But uh, the thing that resonated with me about the, about this and, you know, and I'm not giving anything away about the book, but I mean, he lost the presidency, right? Like super popular, like one of the most popular presidents ever decides to run a third party ticket and basically split the party and lost the election and gave it to the other party. And, and then to deal with like his depression, he goes on this excursion uh, to South America. And that's how, like how he dealt with everything is like these huge extremes. But, you know, back then they're dealing with like disease and, you know, like you said, polio and like, you know, all this, like everybody's suffering from something and even dying of, of all these like crazy illnesses. And, and we're like in this world of like, you know, and, and granted COVID's really bad, but, you know, it's just another thing. It's not even at the scale of the Spanish flu yet and not even close, but um, what can we do like more in our lives just to kind of like be, be present. And, and uh, I know maybe I'm not asking you a question. I'm just giving more of a statement that, um, you know, I, I think you're a, you're a huge light in the world for that. And um, you know, it's, it's cool to see you giving back and doing what you're doing. Um, it's, it's just been, really cool and you know it's just a bonus that you're an athlete and you know we're able to connect on that level too so you weren't i think you said i used to be an athlete or i used to be an athlete or something like you're still an athlete like for sure 100 percent. well some of it's getting to learn from like other people and stuff too i mean the same way you get to draw and like learn from my experiences i get to learn and draw from yours and um you know us with kids and then uh i do some peer mentoring down at craig hospital and I mean, some of the stories that you hear of what other people have gone through and the different ages, uh, men, women, kids, uh, I mean, kids paralyzed like as young as like seven or eight to men that are older and stuff. It's like it, life doesn't really discriminate against any age, sex type, person, nationality, like anything. Like all of these people are going through something. A good majority of all of those people are are going through something because of stuff that was completely out of their control and out of their hands. Um, so, I mean, like I try to focus on the things that I can control, the things that are important to me where I can make an impact and then the rest of it, you just have to adapt to. That's amazing, man. Let's uh, we'll wrap it there. Sharon, um, where can people kind of follow your, your story and you know, your motivation and stuff like that? Um, I'm a tech geek, so I have like an account on almost every social media thing just to kind of check it out. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That combined with like a unique first name, if you type in S-H-E-R-O-W-N, usually something about me will come up first. That's amazing. I don't man. know where my parents came up with that name from, but it, it works for, for that meme. Yeah, they knew. They knew social, like they predicted social media and they're like, he's going to get his name actually. <laughs> Unlike everybody else. <laughs> That's amazing, man. Well, thanks for coming on the show, dude. I really appreciate it. Um, let's all get coffee sometime. That sounds great. Yeah, I'm definitely up for it. I would say I'd go on a run with you guys, but I might let you run a couple of laps and I'll dart back and forth like up one of uh, Table Mountains or something like Heck that. Heck yeah, man. Let's North do it. South Table Mountain. Yeah. That'd be amazing. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up this week's episode. A uh, huge thanks to Sharon. Um, 
I really, really enjoyed talking with you. Um, hoping we can go out and get a cup of coffee sometime. Uh, you know, on a nice day, sitting outside, not necessarily on like a 15 degree snowy day. <laughs> um, but yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed the episode. Um, thanks to Tim also for coming on. Always a blast talking with him. He has a little project he's working on right now um, that I'm sure we're going to talk more about in the future. Um, but he's just a, a great dude too. So super fun. I just love Here's what I love, man. I'm going to be like, after doing this podcast for over four years, I've talked to athletes just like all over the board, right? Like we've talked to all sorts of endurance athletes. We've talked to adventurers. We've talked to kind of like, you know, uh, <laughs> this is just shows you how my brain works. I was about to say like people who know about fitness, like I was trying to think of the word for like athletic trainer or something and i couldn't even think of that word so smarter people than than i <laughs> we've talked to them um you know all sorts of different sports activities everything man it's been so incredible but here's what i found is honestly at the end of the day being an athlete ends up requiring or forming or forging like a very similar mindset right you have to be okay with obstacles. You have to accept obstacles. You have to embrace the journey and not necessarily just whatever the future goal, you know, goal is. You have to like really put emphasis in that day-to-day step-by-step journey and you have to enjoy it, right? You have to um, enjoy the grind, I guess. And every athlete I've talked to has talked about this. Um, you have to be able to set goals in a way that is attainable, right? And that really is breaking it down just to the day in front of you or the workout in front of you. Um, not necessarily thinking about the whole task at hand because that can be overwhelming, but thinking about uh, the task just as, you know, tiny steps on the same ladder or something like that right? So there are all these things. And then you also have to have the tenacity to push through when you don't necessarily want to, right? You have to be able to take on those days where you don't necessarily feel the best. And you have to realize like you might not feel the best all the time and you have to put the work in. And by doing the work and being consistent and having a consistent like habitual nature, you can actually accomplish your goals, whatever your goals may be. Um, and it's so crazy. Like I see that through every athlete from all different, you know, parts of life and people with way different backgrounds, they all kind of come to this very similar, um, conclusion that these things are what is important at actually accomplishing what you want to accomplish with your time on earth. And, and that's, that's amazing. But the thing with Sharon that stood out to me amongst all of that, because obviously like he's a lifelong athlete, but I think the thing that he said that stuck with me more than anything was this idea of your gift of presence, right? And he was talking about like he could give people his time and his attention, right? And that was his gift when he wasn't able to do a lot of the things that he wanted to do in the moment. 
And that's so huge. And that's so huge to think about and consider. And I've been thinking about it a lot this week. It's like, what, what once, like, I just, I've been trying to think of everything, like my time on the internet, my time watching TV, you know, um, when I'm at home, like what wants my attention versus what needs my attention? Because we all have our attention and we can give that out. You know, we can give stuff our attention and a lot of things like millions, if not like nearly infinity things, including this podcast, which that's been part of my like internal struggle here. Um, a lot of things want your attention, right? But not a lot of things deserve your attention. So you got to, I'm, I've been trying to think like I'm a guy with three young kids and a wife and they deserve my attention. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of things out there that I participate in, right? Like social media and, you know, binge watching shows. And sometimes that's good. It's like a good relaxing thing, you know, for me at the end of the day, I'm like, oh man, I just need a break for like break from reality for like 30 minutes or something. And, but those are things that want my attention. They aren't things that necessarily deserve my attention or need my attention. Right. So I just think that's super important. Like we're coming into the holiday season. People are going to be with their families more, probably more than ever. Um, if you haven't been already, or if you haven't just been in your house, like I have (laughs) with my, with my first grader and, uh, wife most, most days. And, you know, So you're around each other, but you need that, man. Like this time is fleeting. I don't, you don't know when life can, you know, throw a complete, you know, completely push you off on another path. And you, you need to give your attention to the right things. And this is me just giving myself a pep talk, just so you know, like every time I feel like I'm like lecturing, it's mostly just me talking to myself because I'm sitting in my basement and no one else is around while I'm recording this. So it's like, it is a way for me to be like, no, you can do this, man. Cause I find myself totally getting distracted by things that don't deserve my time, you know? Um, and so it's just been something I'm thinking about. I don't know if I've fully formed thoughts. I have, I've started journaling over the last couple weeks, every single day. And there's a lot of ideas that aren't fully fleshed out whatsoever that I've been journaling about. Um, there's a lot of contradictory ideas where <laughs> I've been, and I guess I'll get into this more probably next year, but um, I've been thinking about like ambition versus contentment. And at times, like I want to be very ambitious because I think that in a way, if I'm just the right amount of ambitious, it makes me content. <clears throat> And then there are other times where I'm like, if I'm too ambitious, then I'm not content with what I have. And that's not okay either. So um, it is this weird kind of thing I'm trying to like figure out in my life, especially as we're approaching 2021. And I want to start setting some goals for next year, things that I want, I would like to uh, get accomplished. And I have some really big ideas and big projects, but at the same time, I don't want to let those ambitions, you know, supersede like all of my 
my also this internal want of just being satisfied with what I have and who I am and and the people and around me and my family and my friends and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, haven't fully worked those ideas out. But journaling has been fun. So let me just say that. I know I talked about that last week. If you listen to these outros, um, journaling, dude. It t- <laughs> That'll be on my shirt. Journaling, comma, dude. Uh, it takes like 10 minutes and you feel satisfied afterwards. It's really good with uh, just getting some ideas out and giving yourself time with yourself. So, um, all right, guys, that's it. Sharon, thanks, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, Tim, thanks for doing this with me and Sharon. And yeah, guys, we'll be back at you next week, I think. Um, it is going to be Christmas next Friday, question mark? I don't know. It's going to be Christmas sometime, either next Friday or towards the end of next week. And we'll see if I put out an episode. If I do, it might just be like kind of a fun one. Um, I do have a couple more recorded. So there's one coming up with Dave and Amy Freeman who were adventurers of the year. And they also lived in the boundary waters of Minnesota for an entire year for so 365 days. They never went in a building. They didn't cross any roads. Somehow they still paid their taxes. We talked about that in the episode, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they lived in the boundary water for that whole year to raise awareness for it. So super cool, badass people. Um, and we'll get back at you then. Uh, have a good week guys.